Last one, ladies. Can you touch this? Can you rubber touch this? Well, that too, the law says that you cannot touch. But I think I see a lot of lawbreakers up in this house. Right? And I don't see a cop in sight. All right? They're talking about the fact that he can't fuck anyone. No, that um, is a fantastic film. But I couldn't Ryan. find like every time I search in Google for scenes of Magic Mag 2, it's just the dance scenes. And as much as I love watching those scenes, like I need them to have dialogue scenes that I can clip for the podcast. Hi and welcome uh, and to the Honey Movie Podcast. Just so you know, no one watched Magic Mag for the talking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the dance scenes don't work as clips for the podcast. <laughs> Listen here. There's no crying in, in, in gun show movies, all right? It's just gun shows. <laughs> yep. So hi and welcome to the Only Movie Podcast. This is Andrew. This is Damien. And this is Douglas. We are here to talk about movies Allegedly. and dancing. But sadly, movies that don't have singing and dancing together, the things that I need in movies, Douglas, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I am an evil, evil man. <laughs> um, we're here this week to talk about the 2019 Georgian film, um, and then we danced. Thanks, Macmillan. Tower ensemble chichi debater Timotsikove. Kaunjava. You just said that, eh? English solo cigarette. Talian Nazika. Promonument Oriundai. So, yes. And then we danced. Douglas, tell me what this movie is. <laughs> this movie is a coming of age movie. Um, uh, this movie is a movie about um, a dance, a bunch of folks who dance, right? In a dance. Dancers, movie. I think we call them. Dancers! <laughs> um, and it focuses on two people in particular um, one fellow, Mahreb, um, and another fellow, I cannot remember his name. Um, but this this other guy uh, comes in and he shakes things up um, and he kind of um, becomes entangled emotionally uh, or romantically with Mahreb um, in a place where two men being emotional and romantic is not allowed. Um, and that's really the the driving force of this movie. Um, Douglas dance is not about sex. <laughs> it's about national pride. <laughs> exactly. Um, so a lot of people, right? Um, probably myself included, will um, think about "Call Me by Your Name" when you see this movie, um, and and draw various parallels because it is a similar story. Right, it is a young man who is coming to grips. I want with, you to take my movie's uh, name out of your mouth. <laughs> that movie a young and man this who... movie are completely different, oh, and I will wow. explain later. 
Okay, <laughs> fair enough. But um, you know, somebody coming to grips with with their sexuality, who they are, um, how can they cope in this 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 cold cold world um, uh, after you know they've made this discovery and how do they how do they move on with life? There's this this catalyst in in this um, you know strong uh, romantic uh, target. Um, and you know, life is never the same again. Um, I have to say that I'm not going to talk a lot about the development of this movie because, in a way, the how we get to this point, right? How we get to the point of oh, he um, is presented to us, uh, or 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 him. I don't even know what to say, whether it's discovering or, or, or whatever that, you know what, perhaps I don't like the ladies, perhaps I like the men. That, that journey is a similar journey to, to many other movies of its time, right? Um, so I'm not really going to talk too much about that. Um, and I think from that perspective, it's, it's, it's fine. I actually kind of, I, I like this movie. This is not a movie that I would you know, buy and watch a thousand times. But, but I do really like a lot of things about this movie. The dancing is fun. Um, the m- music um, and the, the, like, being able to observe or to see certain cultural aspects of another place and... I don't think this is necessarily a, 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 a movie in a different time, but sometimes I wonder if it is because of... So they play music, um, both music you would know, um, i.e. Western music, and music from what I would imagine the region is, but I'm not sure because I don't know that music. Um, but the music that you know from our side of the world is dated music. So you kind of wonder if this is, say, from the 80s or supposed to be from the 80s, um, or maybe it is current day. Um, There's no cell phones. That's a date. They've got cell phones. They have cell phones. Um, Actually, you're right. This is definitely not the 80s, and it could be the the 90s and into the 2000s. Um, It's probably... um, But anyway, the point I was going to, to make with that, to lead into that, is that... Despite me being like, hmm, is this back in the day or is this today? It could easily be today because at the end of the movie, and this just goes to show, um, you know, what people are still dealing with, which is ridiculous. Um, in the credits, they actually have something that says, you know, they want a, a special thanks to their Georgian choreographer, whose name we cannot disclose. Um, so clearly there's still, still some issues over there in Georgia, which we should know because Georgia is neighbors to Russia and oh boy, do we know what, what um, Russia's stance is at the moment. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's a similar cultural um, view, I suppose, of, of certain things. But I rather like this movie. I like the dancing. And um, I, what I want to talk about and I don't know how we want to approach this, Andrew, is more the end. And I don't have a lot to talk about the end. Um, um, and I don't think it really spoils anything because this movie is exactly what you think it is, right? Um, 
it is a movie that in the end celebrates this um this discovery and 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 who this person is right um and Mahreb, who is the main character um is trying very hard to be a part of the main um uh group of dancers the dance right troupe, yeah yeah the, the dance troupe so he's He's more like in the academy, um, in the the B squad, but he wants to be in the A squad. And um, the movie gets him to a point where he gets an audition for the A squad. And the the final scene is actually his audition for the A squad. And I like how the movie positioned us, how how it put the story... um, or how it got us there in the sense that, first of all, I think there's a lot of ambiguity in terms of how you can view certain things that happen here and um, what you can say are like his intentions. Um, I'm kind of going all over the place because my notes aren't as uh, organized as they usually are or they have been in recent times, I should say. uh, because the movie was fairly straightforward, so I didn't take a lot of notes, and I didn't—I I watched it yesterday, so I, I didn't really um, think through or, or, or go back yet and, and parse through my thoughts. But Mahreb has a brother who is kind of like the go out to parties, um, macho kind of guy, um, and there is a really good scene close to the end. Like you'd almost call it a redemption scene with the brother where the brother comes in from a night on the town, um, looks very beat up, actually more than on a night on, on the town. He just got married um, and he looks pretty beat up. And he's essentially saying, hey, so I just got into a fight with like the whole town because they seem to think that you are a homosexual. What's going on? Um, And you think it could go negative, and it really doesn't, right? Um, There is... um, It's not quite acceptance, but I like to feel that it is, um, uh, because he essentially says... um, He doesn't outright say things like, you know, I love you and I support you and all of that stuff, but he's... it's clear that, you know, um, there's this connection, this bond, and he's like, listen, this this place, there's no future for you here, and you need to um, get out. And, and, and I, I, I really liked that emotional beat that they had. And the movie goes immediately into um, Mahreb. Instead of going anywhere actually going to this um, audition and doing the audition. And throughout the movie, they talk about the dance that he's doing, the type of classical Georgian dance that he that he's practicing and learning, um, how manly it is and how um, you have to be stiff and, you know, um, heavy and manly and, and all of that. Um, and it's clear that he 
does it differently in this um, audition. I think, I mean, one of the, the people who are watching the audition actually walks out um, almost saying, what is he doing? He's making our dances gay kind of thing, which, I mean, I thought was hilarious because of how ridiculous it was. But He's mocking Georgian dance. How dare yeah, yeah he's, exactly. He's mocking Jordan dance, Georgian dance. Um, uh, but what I did like, first of all, the dance was fun. It was cool. Um, Second of all, there is this teacher that throughout the movie um, is, plays, plays it as if he doesn't really like him. His name is Aleko. Um, and he stays, right? He actually stays and is the only one that, is, that stays to the end of the dance. Um, and you don't see, like, he doesn't say, that was horrible. He doesn't say, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. You don't see anybody's reaction at the end of the dance. You only see the guy, the, the old guy walking out. Um, and I like that they, let's call it, keep it ambiguous, right? At that point. Um, because then it allows a crazy person like me to be able to want to think that at the end, you know, he stayed there because there was some level of begrudging respect or a reluctant appreciation for this fellow's skill after hating him or, 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 or not thinking he was good enough this whole time. Um, and I also want to think that Mahreb walks out as a mic drop and then literally goes anywhere else with his friend Mary um, and becomes like this big dancing superstar but this movie was was pretty good um perhaps because i didn't go in with a whole lot of expectations but i enjoyed the movie again is it something that i will watch a thousand times like some of the shitty films that you and i watch damien no but i rather enjoy this look of film yeah this movie so i have words for this movie <laughs> and I have words for you, Douglas, because this makes oh me boy. so upset. Oh because here no. lies the thing. I don't think this movie is bad. Okay. Right? I think this movie is fine. Right? I feel <laughs> about this movie the exact way you feel about Call Me By Your Name. So when I hear you mentioning, whispering, call me by your name while you talk about this fine movie. Right? Like, it's upsetting. Because there's a clear delineation here. Right? This movie... How, how is it delineated? Because you like one more than the other? <laughs> well, wouldn't you say the exact same? <laughs> Is um, there perhaps a thematic delineation? Because that's where I thought you were going. <laughs> but herein lies, herein lies why, and I'm going to do what I want to do, which is turn this into a Call Me By Your Name Part 2 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll talk about Timothée like that. <laughs> I should have I looked up what the Italian word for two is, so that I could like say the Italian word, but I didn't. Um, Maybe it's due. I don't know. I've never spoken Italian in my life. 
neither are Douglas, I. that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I just know there's Serie A and Serie B, right? <laughs> Maybe it's um, Principesa. The... You think it's Principesa? It's funny how we could, like, Google this while we're talking. <laughs> I think Tati is too. I'm purely <laughs> It says Uno, Do, Due, Due, Do. I don't know how to pronounce it. Due, Douglas got it right. <laughs> due and Tre. Um, I'm sure I've ruined Italian. For the people listening to this who's heard Italian before, I apologize. Um, for everyone else, I apologize to you too, but a little less so. Um, moving back. So, call me by your name and this movie. So, uh, they are very much similar, obviously, because they're about stories of young men discovering their sexuality, um, and just figuring all of these things out. It's a difference between a story of a man in a dance troupe in an oppressive country versus the story of a young man who is in a supportive family structure who is just having a summer. Right. And there is a dynamic that is created within those two movies in those relationships that we see in Call Me By Your Name. The dynamic is one of romance, love and flirtation and fun in the dynamic of this movie is all of that. But at the same time, the regular downtrodden oppression that generally are in stories like this, where they're like, oh, isn't it so great that we can be in love and have sex and explore all of this? And then at the back of your mind is, we're going to get fucked up if someone finds us. And that is like the antagonist of this movie in your head, right? Which is that you're seeing the scene happen later on in this movie where one of them are found out or both, and it just ruins them. And this movie has that, where their lives are ruined to a certain extent as they move through some people more so than others um some people in ways that are just emotional rather than physical um but that's there and that is this story which we've seen five thousand times and that is why this movie is fine this movie is fine because it is outside of the georgian element where i guess seeing the dancing and weirdly enough you talked about the dancing and the movie that came to my mind thinking about this um, was the Pavelkovsky film that we saw recently. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the Cold movie. War? Cold War. Um, because like they're in like this musical troupe, and you see all of these scenes of dancing, of like the troupe dancing. Oh yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, it's just right? singing and dancing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember being like just enthralled by watching those dance scenes and in this movie kind of feeling completely agnostic of it. I don't know if it's because in that movie most of the scenes we're seeing are like quote unquote the finished product when they're going to stages and doing shows and they're perfection. They're perfect. The cinematography just films everything in a way where it just looks visually stunning to look at. In this movie, everything is just the people dancing and um, they're practicing their dancing. And you see them continually criticizing each other to be like, oh, you messed up that piece, so you, you need to do it that way. So nothing really seemed like fluidly just visually amazing for me to watch um, in a dance scene. I mean, until you get to like the end of this movie, 
where like he does his full dance, as you mentioned. And oddly enough, I'd put an addendum as to what you said about that dance scene, where the first bit of it, I think he's trying to do the proper dance, and then he fucks up. Mm-hmm. And then, and like that whole first bit, like it feels like the rest of this movie's dance sequences, where it's just kind of like we really don't care. Like we could have closed our eyes and listened to him fuck up, and it would be pretty much the same. There's nothing. There's nothing interesting about how that dance is filmed or presented to us that made it great. But when it like turned, as you mentioned, to him doing his dance, like that, like I feel like the way they filmed that versus the rest of it, like it's obvious that we're meant to like pay attention to what he's doing. And that in itself yeah. was great. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the reason I am off on this movie is just cause it's not special to me. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's sad, right? Um, it's just one of those movies and more so to that point, I just didn't really find it that interesting um and and i sat there watching this going like you know that motherfucker douglas is going to mention my movie he's going to say that movie's name in the breath of this conversation and i'm going to have to listen to him (laughs) well i mean i could have also spoken about whiplash but i decided not But even because with, this, with this Whiplash, final dance was definitely like a Whiplash moment. <laughs> but even with Whiplash, even though that movie is a movie of practice that leads up to that final moment, maybe it's because um, the thing we're witnessing there is auditory completely. Like, you, as much as the camera like films you in a certain way, and it's different in that final scene to like all of the other ones. Like, audit uh, since it's just making music, most of it is the the fascinating piece is down to the audio. And 90% of that movie sounds fantastic. Like, it makes you want to listen to more as you're listening to it, um, as you're watching that movie and hearing the things happen, even to the point at which when you hear um, J.K. Simmons tell him how wrong he is, you're still like, that sounded fucking cool to me. I I don't know about you, Douglas, but (laughs) that's kind of how it plays. I like that movie. We all do. I'm putting words in Damien's mouth. Oh, who refuses to dance? Hold on, I need to turn down my headphones so that the fire he's about to blaze isn't so hot. One second. (laughs) Are they they down? Yes, they're down. Is it my time? Yeah, it's your time. Uh, 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 Douglas is more right than Andrew's. (laughs) 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 Andrew, this movie is more than fine. Um, It's not Call Me By Your Name, Douglas is... uh, Taking it to for a movie he doesn't oh, like. He loves hold to on. invoke that movie a lot. Yeah, so, so wait, just to be clear, right? I only called the name. I am aware why you called the name. There were Douglas. perhaps some parallels that people right could see. the homosexuals. You know, you guys, <laughs> the, right. <laughs> you guys, you guys know how I feel about that movie. Right. This Fam- movie, and 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 the thing is, right? The weird thing is, I don't know if I actually view these two movies at the same level but no you don't because you like one and you don't like the other one. but essentially i appreciate that call me by your name is a fine movie but i thought everybody was just going too crazy about you, it so oh, i you, you, corrected you, you, the other end this you one came now, off you came off the hype train before it 
exactly. all the way to the hype station. And exactly. Now, this movie didn't have any hype. Yeah. And I just saw a trailer once and I was like, you know what? This looks like it could be okay. And it turned out to be pretty good or pretty decent. Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing is, I wonder if I watch Call Me By Your Name now without the hype and then say, oh, it's about the same level of goodness. But I don't know. <laughs> I am a golden god, Douglas. <laughs> Fuck that movie. <laughs> the thing about this movie is that the the entire middle section uh, could have been shortened by a yes, lot. That's true. Um, I think but, there was so it it didn't drag for a, for most. It wasn't like that it dragged horribly, but right. there was a point, probably I would say after the hour mark mm-hmm. into an hour and a half where you started to say, hey, where, when are we going to get to the juicy bits? Or right. when are we going to get to, you know, uh, this thing moving a little faster? So right. yeah, you're Phantom right. of the Paradise. Yeah. 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 They go to the country Phantom of the Paradise. Who's I'm going to stop now. Talking to Douglas? <laughs> Who's what is happening? What is happening here? Yet another good movie. <laughs> is this still a podcast? <laughs> there is a section in the middle of the movie where they go to some party in a countryside. And there is the there's a there's a thing that happens that basically confirms um, his feelings towards um the other guy. I don't remember the other guy's name. Yeah. And then the movie basically stays in that mode for too long. And that is where I feel the movie falls down. But where what essentially drags this movie um, into being good is the lead performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, both in his dance and the acting. He, by himself, basically... Yeah. carries this movie and the thing that call me by your name has is better storytelling and multiple people that are acting their asses off there are people in this movie who clearly <laughs> if they're professionals then they were doing straight up a bad job of it. but it doesn't because the lead character is always on the screen you you basically hand wave those parts away, but the story is is so straightforward um, that at some point you're waiting for them to resolve it. And I think the end of the movie is strong. Um, he does, and most movies about dance don't like if, this movie follows the step up line of movie making, where you end it with the biggest one. And that is all dance movies. And that is what it had to be. And so I was looking forward to the climax of the movie to see what the the dance is. I assumed there would have been more people there in the dance to make it more of a spectacle. I respect that they didn't do that. And I kind of understand why that could have been done. But I would have preferred if if the choreographers and whoever came up with their biggest, boldest, craziest dance thing and had everyone doing the dance but have him as the focus of it, that's something I think would have helped me appreciate the end a little bit more. But 
the the thing that the thing that I'm afraid of is if I see more movies from this region, if it won't drag down my overall appreciation of this movie. Because a lot of the things that I found fascinating is being in this country. I haven't seen a lot of movies about um, Georgia, and this movie is from a Swedish director, so there's every chance that he is misrepresenting uh, Georgian life, much like how Sprinter is a misrepresentation of Jamaica. There's no way to know if this is Georgia Sprinter. I don't know that. And so I am taking away things that might not be uh, quote-unquote true or like really representative but it doesn't matter it was done in such a it was done so well it was executed so well that i enjoyed both actively watching the movie and passively getting glimpses into this whole other country and it as douglas said there's points where it feels like it's another world because of how strange it is that people behave um, in certain, like, right away when you see that everybody in this movie smokes, I was just like, this is not a thing that we're doing. Like, that is a thing from a time long, long ago. Like, people don't, do, people don't just sit down on the roadside smoking cigarettes anywhere, you'd think. And I saw that, and I was just like, oh, so that's another thing. And they even, they even point to it. Uh, his... Um, girlfriend in this movie, the one that is in love with London. I was a hundred percent certain that her arc was going to be different because she's so annoying at the front. You're just like he's going to light her world on fire, and that didn't happen, which I appreciate. Well, I like when movies. No way he did, but I mean, kind of really. reconciled as well. So yeah. yeah, he didn't like he didn't napalm all the people in his life. Uh, to be with this guy uh and that's a thing to you're like is it because um their culture is so different that he knows that that is not a real option to him because without people on his side bad things will happen i don't know but the the story that the movie was trying to tell while being a pretty straightforward story was engaging enough and the acting was so excellent that I enjoyed the entire two-hour runtime, but there are spots where they could tighten up or make more spectacular that would have pushed this movie even further uh, for me. Um, so I, I'm i not really sure... Like I've, I've listened to Andrew, but because we're not in spoilers and... I mean, I really don't need him to go into specifics, but this is a movie that should fall in Andrew's wheelhouse. So to see him come out of this, and I mean, I understand that part of his misgivings is that Douglas invoked "Call Me by Your Name," <laughs> and so he's so he's so of he's so steadfast in defending that movie that he's not giving this movie a lot of credit, and I get that we've all done that. Uh, but this movie feels more like an Andrew movie than even a Douglas movie. Uh, of course. And can you imagine, because I, I completely appreciate you know, Andrew hating this movie, because, yeah. because I can 
in my head, and I, I'm sure I've done this before, imagine sitting down in front of a television, turning it on, and after the first five minutes, just thinking, you know, Andrew's <laughs> just going to fucking love this movie. Uh-huh. And why? Yeah. He's going to love... And isn't that, you don't even get a chance to decide whether you like it. Right. You just, you just know. You're going just to like it for the wrong yeah. reasons. You know, I <laughs> love this movie, and I don't I want. I saw when I opened the spreadsheet and I saw the name of this movie. I'm like, what horseshit is this? Yeah. And then I'm like, Douglas is trying to trap me. Like this needs to be this. I, I hope this is a musical. It's like a it's like a gamey musical where like it starts out being a full blown musical and then like it turns into like a Korean revenge movie. Just and Douglas is just trying to fuck with me. And then like I look up what the movie is. I'm like, oh my god. I think Douglas is trying to bait me into a conversation about something. Because <laughs> this feels like, and even when I saw the trailer, I'm like, this looks like Georgia ripped off Call Me By Your Name and put it dancing. <laughs> I mean, there is an argument for that, and... <laughs> you know. <laughs> but they did it well. I'm not going to say it's the greatest movie ever. Damien has, better than I have, identified the real issue with it. Um but there are some key there are some strong points to this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, I rather enjoyed it. The the thing that wasn't in this movie, uh, which is why I'm surprised that Douglas uh actually enjoyed it so much. Usually when we get movies from faraway places, there's some bits of crazy in there. And that is what Douglas clings to. Like things so <laughs> weird that they appreciate that we have no real touchstone for but we see it and we're just like this is like we bring up we always invoke plastic bag jellyfish because that is something that when you see it in that movie complete except for andrew completely makes sense and you're like this is what this movie is and everything clicks and if they put that in a western movie you tear that movie to shreds (laughs) just like i don't know what these people Maybe they're high on cocaine, but I don't know what that is. And this movie was completely devoid of... Like, if if this movie was Iranian, Andrew would like it more. I am convinced. <laughs> uh... I'm sorry, Chris Dami has passed. There's no <laughs> one making those movies in Iran anymore. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so this movie is Tumper-proved. Andrew is just in his feelings for some reason. I don't know. Think he was distracted by a puppy or some nonsense. A poorly named puppy, I might add. In uh, two days I get I to think... play The Last of Us 2, so there's that. Oh yeah, that's tomorrow? Friday. That's I think Friday. it's Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's Friday. Can't wait. I have it downloaded on the PlayStation. Oh like... yeah, you... oh yeah, we can do that. What? Oh no, right. I don't pre-order. Right, that's right. Look, <laughs> that's why it, I don't have that it, game. Once it gets to the like the week the week of, like I allow myself. Yeah, there. Yeah, well, they uh, had the reviews and stuff. Also, I, get to, I think I get the game to give them a call. Um, yeah. They need to delay it for another month <laughs> just to fuck with Andrew. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, listen, I do. Ha- I didn't get Olympics. I need this game. I need it. <laughs> oh, Damian thinks he might get Olympics next year. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> so, all right. Here's what's your theory? Let's say, let's say, in theory, Olympics happens mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. Is the next Olympics in three more years after, or in yeah. four years after? Yeah. They've just man, completely broken the cycle. No man, it's three years. Yeah, they need it's to normalize it back. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, do you think that might change word. permanently yeah. is basketball? Basketball is considering changing the schedule from oh, really? for December to Christmas for the forever if they have to do it this year. Hmm. Uh, because competing with um, football is hard and the middle of the basketball season is the peak of football season. Actually, and, that makes sense. Yeah. Because when I was watching NFL and the NBA was on, I was like, fuck the NBA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the word we should be saying constantly. Fuck the NBA. <laughs> yeah, that plays well now. Yeah, it does. In these times. <laughs> they can't fight back. It's COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I just imagine a picture now of of Michael Jordan laughing at the tablet at me. Yo, so I haven't watched that show, right? But really? it was on Yeah, yeah, I haven't. But it was on the I television. Think you're the only person at this place. Obviously. <laughs> it was on television at one stage and I saw him like laughing or reacting to somebody saying some bullshit mm-hmm. and I realized that I just want a TV show of his reactions because he's a dick. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you should watch that show, Douglas. <laughs> yeah, I think I will, actually. I think I will. I, I, I've said it before, but the thing that I really appreciate about this documentary, and I hope they do going forward with all sports documentaries, is just keep it about the person as the sports person. Like, I understand that a lot of these guys, because they're going to do it for LeBron and a lot of these other guys, that... Their work off the field is major and a lot of them do a lot of stuff now. But let that be a separate documentary, like a single episode separated out. The thing that people love these people for is the sports. I I mean, Kobe is probably the next one of, of the big NBA players. Kobe, um, my man. God, I love that movie. Anyway, don't <laughs> gonna stop distracting me. I was trying to make a point. I don't remember the point anymore. I was, I was in my head. I'm just laughing at Lilu Dallas and her movie. So, I know we usually, no, we about, usually stop at Kobe, my man. But Douglas yeah. is zzz, like, oh, zzz. perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about that movie is. And <laughs> oh, yep. Someone pointed out that um uh what's his name? The main bad guy in that movie. Um Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman no, never actually interacts with um Bruce Willis. <laughs> That's true. At no point in the movie. <laughs> and the movie is so good. I didn't even realize that that happened. No, the movie could get away with the primary. (laughs) You couldn't have the primary antagonist never meet the person. It it would never happen. People like, what the hell kind of movie is this? And the movie is so good, I didn't even realize that happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that movie's perfect. That movie's a perfect movie. Um, Yeah, what do we do now in this podcast? Right, we talk about things we've seen. He's never made a movie that good um, before or since. Excuse me, sir? Who are we talking? Bruce Willis? Who are we talking oh, about? Uh, Luke Besson. No, you're wrong, sir. Sir, you what? are incorrect. Professional? Yeah. I know. Wasn't a professional I'm before not... that? 
I'm not saying I said before or after. I'm uh-huh. not saying the professional isn't good enough. Damien, we're on the same page. That movie is fucking awesome. It, however, is not. No, that's <laughs> wrong. Douglas, I'm here to tell you that you are incorrect. <laughs> and I know Gary Oldman has a scene, all right? I know he does. Douglas, what? The only the only problem with the professional yeah. is that John Wick is not in that movie. Damien, I am not. That movie is amazing. That movie is not Fifth Element good, though. It's not Fifth Element good. Yeah, because it's... But that is... That is revenging at its finest. (laughs) All right. They're different movies. I'm going to cut this right here. All right. Ending of the Zubisan conversation. And before we get to, like, randomly talking about movies, I want us to do what we've been doing for a while, (laughs) which is to talk about the COVID, you know, because we're medical professionals and this is a pandemic. We need to talk about the COVID. But more specifically, I want to talk about movies and the COVID. Right. Ah, ah. Can we, um, Andrew, just a, a question for you. When you edit this podcast and you um, get to this point where you say, you know, we need to talk about the COVID, can you please put in the background um, a Tribe Call Quest, the booty, just <laughs> <laughs> underneath that monologue because that is what's playing in my head right now i'm going to tell you not to do that (laughs) i am going to not do that um yeah just letting you know um so anyway um do not do that it's been it's been probably three months since the world locked down heavily right certain places had locked down before that but the world Mm -hmm. that in general has been locked down for about three months now um movie theaters included as everything else should have has been closed and movies that we've all been excited for have been indefinitely delayed or in some cases delayed slowly until eventually hitting november i.e james bond um but one movie has been holding firm for so long Mm -hmm. and that is um christopher nolan's tenet scheduled for release in july in mid-july it was just delayed by two weeks to come out in end of July. And I'm seeing a lot of news articles posted about movie theaters. Um, Now that certain towns and certain countries are starting to like open up slowly, starting to announce that they are getting ready to open, right? That they are huge chains, like the Regals are announcing that they want to open and the AMC um, where they are obviously losing a lot of fucking money um, and obviously want to open in hopes that they can trick people into coming to the movies and hoping that movies like, say, Tenet is the film that will bring them there. Um, Damien, yes. I, know, I know what we believe will happen, which is mm-hmm. that if the closer we get to these dates... Is this is the more people the people who want billions of dollars in their pocket will realize that it's not happening, right? Right, and that they will eventually make the decision to move movies like Tenet, and I think Mulan has also been moved into July now, hoping right. that that's the movie to spur people in, right? Will move them back again to like 2021 and some shit, right? However, 
my question is this, because I'm reading a lot about this and I'm reading a lot about specifically the, these theaters that are doing this and what they are planning to do around um, distancing patrons so that people are ex seats apart. And I mean, it was something I remember I was reading before the full lockdown here when the light box was announcing that they were going to start doing that. And literally the Saturday I went to the light box when they were like, we're distancing people. I went there to go and watch something before things got really serious. And they told me, go home. They're like, we're closed. We'll refund your ticket. We don't want to see you anymore. Um, I'm curious, what is your faith in humanity that pretending that day one, it actually opens? Not right. Tenet, but whatever movie comes out, whether it is some random rom-com that they're just testing the waters with or whatever. What do you think those numbers are coming out of the world of sales? So, do you think it's the 50% mark of the distancing mark? Or do you think it's like much lower? So, um, I remember speaking to Douglas and some other people um, in late March, early April. Um, and they were convinced that the world wasn't going to go back to the stuff that we did until there was a vaccine or whatever. And I remember saying to them that the world will, there'll be a point where everyone will just go back to doing what they were doing. And and I remember the reason I've, held on to that belief is because when the World Trade Center fell it felt for the days after that the world broke and ended everyone was afraid to fly Every, we changed overnight how airports work the whole nine and I remember it didn't take three months before everything snapped back. Like no one, once um, our previous worst president of all time, George Bush, started the war in countries that had nothing to do with anything. Once he started that, everyone just, the world just snapped back. And I remember talking to my sister years ago and asking her why that happened. Because I assumed that people would be afraid to fly. And my sister said something, and it is a thing that I've used, I've just said as a shorthand for most things from that point. She said, that is not how we built the world. The world that we built is run on the fact that we do certain things. And that is why I know that the world, at once we're given the opportunity to snap back into place, people are going to do it. During the lockdown, people were breaking the quarantine to go to parties, to go to the beach, to go eat out, to see them families. All of it, people people were willing to do. That Dave Chappelle special, America is still in the throes of fighting this thing. And people went to go see that. Now you convince yourself that spraying people with a bottle and reading them temperature means that you're safe. But everyone deep down knows that that is just pageantry. Just like at the airport, everyone knows that 
they're not finding any bombs in the airport. All this added security is pageantry to make people feel better, like someone somewhere is doing something. That is what all this spraying of bottles and taking temperatures is. Because all the science says circulated air is bad for the disease. And uh, I think it was um, one of the American airlines said that there's no one that is going to be on middle seats once they started flying. And on the first flight out, Monday, there's people taking pictures and the airplane was full. Because that is, the, that is how we built the world. The world we build is not built for us to social distance. If they open theaters anywhere in the world, people are going to go to theaters because they haven't been in a long time. And that is how you... There'll be an initial spike because people are excited. And then over time, everything will fall back into place. Toward, I thought that after three months of being in your house, not being able to move, there'd be no tourist anywhere. Where are you going? You had three months at home. And if this thing spikes again, you do not get to go home because we have to shut down everything again. And I've spoken to people and they're just like, no dog, people want to come. All right. Some vehicle outside is <laughs> backfiring. And so I think the numbers for these theaters will only be limited by how many people the theaters allow into these movies, into the actual physical building. So if they're limited to a quarter of the people, that is what the numbers will reflect. But I think what will happen is that the tail on these movies that come out during this period will be enormous because they'll be the only movies in theaters for you to go watch. And people will just enjoy going out to see movies. Like, there's no comedian that could come to Jamaica now and get me to risk my life to watch them because I don't care as much. But I am in the minority. There's people who, the fact that it is available to them is all they need. There's, Douglas, how many videos have we seen of Jamaicans while the pandemic hasn't been as tough for us as most places? In the middle of it, there's people on rooftops, people holding party, beach parties, people having river, like hundreds, if not thousands of people going to secret parties. Once the government says, all right, you can go back to parties, none of those people are going to go. All right. And Andrew, we're only talking, you're only talking about people who believe this pandemic is real. <laughs> we have to accept that despite the numbers I am currently staring at of 8 million cases and 440,000 deaths, there are still people who, because it has not affected them in any material way, don't believe this thing is a real thing. A lot of them are here in Jamaica. You hear people talk when you go on the road and they're just like, we shut down the country and 10 people dead at the most expensive 10 lives in our Jamaican history. I've heard multiple people with varying statements like that because they don't think the danger is real. So if you home back the country, they didn't believe it when it was closed. And you say, all right, go on back out of the road. That is, like the world is just going. I next year this time, whether there is a 
whether there is a vaccine, which is what Douglas was, Douglas was sure that if there wasn't a vaccine, the world wouldn't snap back. If the world is open, whether there's a vaccine or not, all of the things that we missed this year, unless it is mandated by some government body to be different, everything will be the same. Stadiums are going to be full. Like, there are people considering putting fans in for the start of the NFL season. And America is still in the middle of this thing. If the government isn't there to go, you rich people, absolutely not. We're not letting in 100,000 people into a stadium. If, if Donald Trump says, go right ahead, I'm guaranteeing you that there'll be like two states that are like, like California and probably Seattle will be the two that are like, absolutely not. We're not filling any stadiums. But everybody else, all of those other states are going to go, you guys go right ahead. Douglas, where's your faith in humanity? <laughs> um, it's long dead. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Damien. I think um, I have amended my thoughts on what, what is going to happen. I think that there is probably going to be no vaccine for a long time, if ever. And we're just going to move on. And places will reopen. Maybe the government will tell you to put in place certain things. Maybe wearing masks in the open will become the norm uh, all over the world and in Western society, um, uh, which hasn't happened in the past. But we'll still be walking around and doing things and so especially because of this covid cabin fever that everybody has as soon as entertaining places open we will flock it and we will go there uh, in the masses and as as much as will be allowed and so i agree with them man do you have more faith in humanity andrew you I guess think I, I I guess somehow I feel that that and I mean it's the thing we talk about always when we talk about these films. I think what you're talking about in general will happen, which is people will go. I think that there still will be a percentage of the population, the percentage that we we're not talking about, the percentage that believes in this thing and has the fear and is not okay that that percentage, as small as it might be, is enough for the business of we need $50 billion of sales to fare them into holding off and therefore everyone else not getting into the mix of it. For the the, the movies that need that level of income, the Mulans, the Avengers, the, the Tenets, even though I don't know if Tenet is up that high, but yeah. I, mean, I know they're Chris, hoping for that much money. Has there been a Chris Nolan movie not to break 200 million? I don't think so. None of the recent ones. Like, even though there's no way in, um, Interstellar should have made that much money. And, no, also when, and also when reopening and that, also comes with the addendum of reopening with 40% seating in every theater. 
Yeah, so that's the thing. I think the numbers will only really be limited if by the percentage drop-off in the theaters. If they're like 40% other people can go in, then I think the numbers will reflect that. If the movie was going to make um, in its opening month or so 200 million, I think it will be at 50 million. But the thing I think will happen is that these movies will linger in the theaters because there's not much else to go watch. Yeah, and if they're I'm... good enough, people just go back, go and keep watching them because it's something to do. Yeah, that, bring, the, that reminds you of a normal life. Yeah, and the only wild card that we can throw in there, and I don't think it's much of one, as much as I would like it to be one, is whether or not people, the distributors, decide that um, releasing things online is a viable alternative, right? right? Um, now, we've been seeing, is it Warner or Universal having an argument with AMC and saying, oh, why, won't we, why don't we just put our things online? This seems to have worked so far, which, again, please, 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 because fuck Carib. Um, but <laughs> but I have a feeling that that won't be a, a large um, factor, especially not for the blockbuster movies. And here's the thing also, right? Um, so I think that there will be a bit of a change. I think that movies like the one that we just talked about, um, movies with smaller budgets and lower expectations, you'll start to see a lot more online distribution, um, early online distribution of it, of them, right. um, whether it is through weird um, indie sites like what Bakurau did, whether it's through just saying, hey, Netflix, just call this a Netflix movie, or whether it's through... Um, the regular um, suspects of Google Play and Voodoo. Um, but a, the blockbuster movie machine cannot work that way because it relies on crazy people watching it multiple, watching a movie multiple times and paying each time that they watch that movie. Um, and I don't think it quite translates into the online world because when you rent a movie online and maybe they'll actually change this and maybe it will work but when you rent a movie online a couple of things one it's probably a little more expensive than you're used to so somebody might think about watching it less but then you can also argue that you know um watching a movie once for $20 gives them the same amount of money as watching a movie twice for $10. Um, uh, but how rental also works is that you pay the money, let's say it's $20, and you get it for a window. You get it for three days. So I could actually decide to max out my viewership on those three days, right? I could pay the $20 and watch it three times. I could watch it 20 times all in that three-day window. And maybe that's enough. Also, there is piracy to, to consider because, I mean, it's once it's on any online um, service, it's being pirated. Um, once it's on somebody's app- screen, on somebody's computer screen, they just record their computer screen. Like, it's not... 
It's yeah. not rocket science. No, I know, and that's what I'm saying. Is it's much easier now to get a um, hundred percent 4K HD whatever copy of it, as opposed to when you do it through the traditional um, means. It's much harder to get a good quality pirated um, uh, version, right? So, so that's something that people will think about as well. So, I think the blockbuster way of doing things, like blockbuster movies could i don't think it's going to go away but it could change significantly if if there is a real shift in the value of traditional releases um with social distancing depending on how long that lasts um and the shift to online so that could be a an interesting thing to watch because the money's just not there anymore. Douglas, there's there's a thing that I've heard us talk about um, this move to online uh, many times on this podcast. And there's a thing that we never bring up because it does not apply to us. But we should <laughs> remember that it does apply to people in real countries. Uh, there... And, Andrew can attest to this. Going to a theater and seeing a movie on that big screen is an experience. It's an experience that people look forward to. And so it is nice to have somewhere that you can go and have these movies displayed on a big screen and have this big sound and have it be larger than life. And blockbusters really lean into that. And, we and I mean, don't... movies like Tenant are those movies where it's not right. so much like, oh, this is the big action movie. But on top mm-hmm. of everything else, this is the big action movie that I'm looking forward to buying an early ticket to going to see it on the IMAX on 70 millimeter right. and doing all of these additional things to mm-hmm. make it special. Right. And that is the thing that a lot of people pay for. It is the spectacle and the experience of going to these theaters. And it is, I've, every time I listen to us talk about this, I'm like, I need to remember to bring this up the next time. And I always forget. And it is reasonable for me to forget because we hate caribs so much. (laughs) We forget that that is part of the thing that we should love theaters for. Right? We should love to go out. And there's a time we did enjoy going out to see these movies on a bigger screen, with better sound, uh, eating popcorn and having people around you. It's like watching a Fast and Furious movie for the first time in your house is not the same experience of having a full theater of people laugh at how ridiculous some giant explosion or the rock punching a mountain or whatever it is that movie is going to be. And we forget that, Douglas, because it's so bad and we've imp- I've, we've tried to impress upon people who don't live here just how terrible I experience <laughs> going to Caribbean but every time we talk about it I feel because we're so hand wavy with it Douglas I don't think people truly understand just how bad that experience is but it is as bad as you can think <laughs> it's so very bad so much so that me and Douglas would happily get trade in 
the, the theater experience to get any movie on a smaller screen in a smaller room with smaller sound. Now, while the screen and sound might be better at our house, and it definitely is at my house and Douglas's house, it is definitely better. We should look forward to the spectacle, but we, we just don't have that. Um, Andrew, I long ago gave up um, on humanity. Um, there's another factor about releasing movies now that we have not brought up, especially for America. Uh, there's people protesting in America, <laughs> quite a lot of people. And uh, there's been several arguments about um, things coming back and distracting protesters from continuing the protest, which on one hand is extremely condescending. It, it supposes that someone can't protest and watch something <laughs> without one taking over the other. Uh, these are people, they're not sheep. Uh, but on the other hand, might be correct. I don't know. And so, I mean, that too. It must be weird as any media thing to look at the state of the world and be like, I have this movie to sell. I have this album to sell. I have so, this anything to sell. <laughs> earlier like, today, earlier today, the EPL came back. Um, did it? It was Aston Villa was, match. That wasn't football. Uh, I mean, there was a Man City match after that. Um, was was there? Who did that? There was Arsenal. <laughs> anyway, um, I was watching. I was watching the match, and there was a section of it where. I wasn't paying too close attention as to what was going on. As you guys talk about watching football and like getting used to the fans' visual cues in there and how we kind of half watch football and do whatever else we're doing. Um, there was a, a, I wasn't paying too close attention, but then I heard the commentator talking about how in these times we must be careful how we talk about footballers. Um, and I'm like, wait, what just happened? And mm -hmm. it's 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 there in everything. Like there's even there was even an advertisement. Half in like halftime and before the broadcast of the games, where they were talking about the the COVID pandemic and all of the other things going on, and as a it's something that I've heard on other podcasts as they talk about people tr attempting to sell content during this time of all of these conversations, where people are then being like, we must show our support to this, but th at the same time. There's, I guess there's a there's a part of you, and I know it's a part of us, um, the cynical part of us that whenever we hear these things, we're like, you're just doing it because if you don't, people feel people will question you as opposed to you actually care. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard. <laughs> you know um, why you think that, Andrew? Because you've lived in this world a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's the kind of thing where I am just happy I'm not a sales or a marketing person who has to deal with this question. Oh, yeah. Where, this where, where, people, where people are like, all right, we have to sell this thing today, but we also have to do this. Um, but at the same time, fuck that. And yeah, so I'm, like... Even I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you just... Is that in reference to the movement, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> 
I cannot. No, that's in reference. <laughs> that's in reference to the sales. I know. I know. <laughs> um, uh, it's even like earlier today when going back to the EPL, I, I even threw it in the WhatsApp group because I saw yeah. it happening in the games. The the Black Lives Matter replacing mm-hmm. players' names mm-hmm. on jerseys. Right. Um, and once again, another thing where I'm just like, is that really how you solve it? But at the same time, that's the cynical part of me. And there's other part yeah. of me, which is like, I wonder if this actually like causes somebody who never thought about it to actually think about it. And that's a good thing. Is it? Right? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> but you get me, Damien, right? You pieces of shit. <laughs> if I'm here to tell everybody who is giving racist assholes a handway a pass if it took these things happening for you to go all right <laughs> then fuck people <laughs> and your stores and your businesses and all of the other stuff your garbage <laughs> and uh, like the the only thing that has come out of this that made me smile even once there's a video of a lady who is mm. at one of the protests and she's complaining. And at the end of her speech, she's like, be happy. Black people want equality and not revenge. Right. And that is the first most honest thing anyone has said. It is the truest, most human thing I've heard come out of all of this. Because the rest of it is just people walking on eggshells and not saying the thing that they need to say. And not doing the things that they need to do. Because you still have to play both sides. And everyone's... Like, when we are gamers here, because we're the demography. <laughs> and when, Sony's, when Sony said, we're delaying this press conference because of the situation. I am from Jamaica. And so I haven't experienced the stuff that Americans have. And on the one hand, as you said, Andrew, I was just like, I can't see where they're coming from. And then on the other hand, I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> There's no way you guys get to pretend that you care. No, not today. Today is not the day. No, it's not the time. When the people come off the streets and you people are still hammering this as companies and brands, then I'll go, all right, fine. But not now. Not while fires are lit, you don't get to go. You know these guys. You know these guys lighting the fire, and threatening to burn down everything. I think they're right. <laughs> no, no, it's not the time. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. Put out in the movies. Put out in the songs. Selling the chicken. Do whatever. And then when the people come off the streets, then you continue doing it, and then people will give you props. But no, fuck people. <laughs> and your empty, vapid statements. Your blackout tuses and all of this nonsense. It's like, you garbage people. But I don't live there, and I don't have to deal with it. Uh, I was told by their president that I live in a shithole country. And I just had to accept that. I had to take that L. That's an L for Jamaica. <laughs> you just have to take it. Uh, Andrew's pres- prime minister was in blackface. A thing so racist that we take it out of cartoons. And we're just like... Listen, you as a child, you can't hold people accountable for bad shit they did in the past. Then everyone would be in prison. <laughs> we, just have to, we just have to tell them. 
I so, think yeah, so, but that, that was in the Sony press conference that some random indie game threw in that they're now changing. Yeah. It's... Hey, the world sucks. I, I mean, I know that. <laughs> Uh, I'm I am surprised it took this long for people to be like I burn in all of this though. <laughs> that part is surprising, but hey, what you gonna do? Uh, uh, speaking of surprising, I watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to win all. Oh my god, it's so good. Secretly, that is my favorite part of listening to these podcasts that have come out <laughs> is watching people attempt the transition. <laughs> they're like, uh, uh, COVID is bad and uh, there's bees trying to kill us and uh, it's almost hurricane season and the world's on fire uh, and there's riots. But this bullshit that we talk about every day, let's get back to that. Pew, pew, pew. It's fun. Uh I enjoy it because I like Douglas. Uh, I'm a terrible person. Um, and I assume Andrew, because he's a much better person than me, has been affected in ways I cannot begin to comprehend uh, <laughs> watching all of these things. Uh, I mean, I still send you guys messages where I say the EPL cured racism, right? No, no, no. So, uh, from what I've heard, WhatsApp is like the last area that everyone can be xenophobic. <laughs> it's WhatsApp and the Olympics is the only two places left that we can just be openly xenophobic because no one will, no one will know. We get a free pass amongst friends. Uh, God, it's worse. End-to-end encryption. Yep. <laughs> That's what Zoom said, and Zoom lied. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom is like if you don't password your room, guess what? People can just guess the number. Also, Douglas and Andrew, explain to me how Google has Skype. Sorry, uh, Microsoft has Skype. Google has their own video platform. How did all of these large companies drop the ball so hard and allow Zoom to take over? How did this happen? The second this start, like the second Zoom started to be popular, I thought they would have paid every engineer whatever money they needed. And just like Zoom should have been around for like a week and a half. And then Skype and Hangouts and whatever Apple have should have just steamrolled everyone. Just be like, Zoom is illegal or Chinese. Just something should have happened. And everyone just sat back and went, didn't Microsoft pay like eight billion for Skype? Yep. And how Google did they release, Google release their Meet software free to everyone shortly thereafter? But it was already too late. Everyone had gotten into Zoom, and it was really easy. And unless you worked for a massive company that had questions about the security it's issues, so you were just stuck with Zoom. And by then, you were probably already using Microsoft Teams. Like we understand how WhatsApp did what WhatsApp did. Right, because they built something when like BlackBerry Messenger was the dominant thing worldwide. And they're like, we're building something so that for the four people that still holding Blackberries, <laughs> we can talk to everybody. So that one makes sense. And even WhatsApp is still not global, right? WhatsApp right. 
it's it's like it's everywhere but America. America. Yeah, it's yeah. it's like the world <laughs> except America and China. Yeah. But Zoom, like I didn't I am pretty um up on technology and apps and whatever. And if someone said to me, yo dog Zoom, I'd have laughed in their face. <laughs> and oh these companies. I guess it's for the best. Competition makes everything better. So, so people keep telling me it didn't make the Premier League better. So, I don't know. what do we talk about on this podcast again? Technology. Um, I don't have a lot of stuff to talk about because, as usual, I watch uh, four things that I've seen ten thousand times. Uh, I watched. Uh, uh, I watch The Kung Fu Cult Master. Uh, it stars Jet Li. And, hey guys, I don't know if you've seen Kung Fu movies before. Uh, this one was released in 1993. So, whatever the picture is in your mind when I said Kung Fu Cult Master, that is what that movie is. Let's put Jet Li wherever you need him to be. Um uh it in the tagline it is called a wild rollicking martial martial arts fantasy extravaganza and it is all those things. Uh I love old kung fu movies because they are fantastic and it reminds me that uh there's a time I was happy. Not no you're not allowed to call anything made in the nineties old. Oh straight. Okay. Um, it's not old. (laughs) If something is 27, is it as a piece of media? Is it not old? (laughs) It's not old. It's in the 90s. I grew up in the 90s. I understand. The Matrix is 21. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's people who you talk to that pretend they're adults that were born after The Matrix. Mm -hmm. So we're we're old, Douglas. It sucks, but it's not going to get any better. I can promise you that. I'm not old. I'm a young man. I will be forever. You keep telling yourself that. And more importantly, Douglas will always be older than me. (laughs) <laughs> that is true we can always laugh af- at him and go yeah I'm old but that just means you're older that's true though that's true Andrew I'll keep that in mind wow. <laughs> uh, you're an old ass man dog um, I saw Into the Spider-Verse again motion <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy scrolling past things I've so, talked about on this. So, thing. just as a quick mention, yeah. Um, since the last podcast, I also rewatched Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, and it is a movie which I can now add to the list that includes The World's End, in which I turn it on, and Renata is there with me, and she's like super into like the first thirty minutes, and then science fiction shit happens and she goes like why did i get fooled into this nonsense she was like i'm out (laughs) (laughs) yeah she was like i don't not this anything but this 
Uh, right. The movie is still spectacular. It is. And now we can play the PS5 game when that happens. Yeah. We, we, we can only hope that that's what they're doing. I, I pray to God that's what they're doing. Uh, Douglas, on the back of Douglas Robinson's recommendation, <laughs> I sat down for uh, a lot of my life that I will never get back uh, to watch Middleditz and Swartz. Now, Douglas assured me that uh, two of these episodes are funny. Uh, I've only watched two. And that is because none of them are funny. And, and when I say none of them, I mean the first episode is about uh, a wedding that they're improvising. First, they talk to some of the worst people in human history on a balcony somewhere uh, about some ridiculous thing that is happening in their life. Someone's getting married and the person talking is barely a friend. But it's so ridiculous. And then they sit down. I think that's around where I stopped. Yeah. And then they sit down and they start, you know, improvising this thing. And for a second, I was just like, oh, they're going to do this, get to the natural end point, and then go back to the crowd for something else. That is not what happened. They keep inventing newer and newer characters based on these people's already boring, shitty lives. And I assume this is part of why people like improv. It is watching the people doing it mess up. So they're like forgetting names and scenarios because the things that they've made up previously are so ridiculous that it's hard to keep track. But as they also can't remember, I too both can't and don't want to remember because it's so dumb. And Douglas promised me jokes. He did. Here's the problem. There's no jokes. I got jokes. And then there was the second episode, which Douglas admits is bad. And it's about law school magicians. No, I... I remember saying it to you that the second one was not so hard. And I was just like, there's not enough cocaine on earth. <laughs> but then I made a, ter- a grave, grave mistake. I allowed Netflix recommendations to funnel me from one middle ditch nightmare into another one right. called Space Force. Oh, why, Damien? Because well, we've spoken about this. I think yes. I've only watched like the first 10 minutes of the first episode and oh, I'm so done already. It is the worst. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> and n- no one should watch Middle Ditch. No on Swartz. No one should watch Space Force. They're both terrible, terrible, terrible <laughs> things on Netflix. Uh, there is one thing worth watching that came out recently on Netflix. It's the Jeffrey, it's the Jeffrey Epstein thing. Um, uh, if you are one of the uh, conspiracy theorists, um, this is not for you. You already have your explanation on YouTube somewhere or whichever dark hole in the internet that you spend time Uh I only was made aware of Epstein when the stuff started happening. 
as I assume most people were. And it turns out that this very rich, very powerful, very connected man is what they say is. He's a monster and he killed himself. Uh, those are the cliff notes, but it is, I mean, you sure? I entertaining is in the world. It is informative to watch people, to watch people defend someone like this man. Oh, really? The people were defending him in this movie? Because these accusations, the type of man he is, didn't start when we found out. This has been going on for decades. And everyone knew what this man was. And very rich, very powerful, very connected people protected this man from any consequences until recently. So that is what I mean by the fact. I don't mean there's people in the documentary actually saying he didn't do these things. Everyone is very clear <laughs> that he did these things. Uh, it is, and I don't have any of you seen the uh, Michael Jackson documentary that HBO put out recently. I watched the first episode. I've avoided right. it. Uh, right. So it is, it is like that, but for a man you hated for the 10 seconds you heard <laughs> about him. It is people being very exhaustive about we're not, like there, there's no, there's no mincing words here. They're like, from the off, they're like, this man is trash. And this is the story. And uh, I found it very informative. I mean, it is what it is. I enjoyed uh, learning about this, this thing. And of course, it reaffirms my worldview of the world. That it is a garbage heap. Uh, that we need to reset somehow. But uh, I assume for better people who don't want to believe that these things are happening all around them all the time, they shouldn't watch this because it's not, it's not going to help. Um, the other, the last thing I'll talk about is uh, we here on this podcast hate Spike Lee um, for lots of reasons, uh, mainly because Chocolate Giants. His last couple of movies have been basically unwatchable. Uh, but also because he's so much Spike Lee at this point. Like, he started out as Spike Lee, but he only became more, like, concentrated Spike Lee. And I, I don't like that man. He's, he's too much. And he made a movie and put it on Netflix. Now, Netflix track record of movies being good on Netflix, I think the current score is zero with an asterisk for one movie, Andrew Loves. Damien, are you about to say something? I'm, I'm sort of upset that I'm just an asterisk, but I'll take it. Right. What are no, you about to say? No, Douglas, fear not. This movie... <laughs> Douglas. <laughs> Douglas. You saw? Have you seen the trailer for this movie? Um, did I see the trailer? Is this an army movie? Right, Douglas. Yeah, just, I saw the trailer. It looks bad. Right. You know how Spike Lee, Spike Lee. Imagine <laughs> the trailer, and then in your head, picture what Spike Lee would do with that, and it is exactly that. <laughs> no part of this movie did he decide. 
am I too much spikely right now? Oh, no one said that. <laughs> I disagree. And no agree one, at the same no, time. No one said that. He's just the most spikely. And then the movie's over. And you're just like, thanks, Spike Lee. You did it again. Mm-hmm. I gave you another opportunity. And you just... You just Spike Lee all over me. And I don't like it. <laughs> so, yeah. Let me talk about this quickly then. Since we're talking about this now. I also saw The Five Bloods. Which... Talk about the title. The Five Bloods. Yep. Um, so, Damien, I agree with you. Spike Lee... When he is allowed to be super Spike Lee is not an enjoyable thing to watch. Like, I mean, I didn't actually see Black Klansman, but from what you guys told me about it, like, it sounded kind of close to my experience with this movie, where I watch this movie and I'm like, look, I know there's an edit of this movie that I truly enjoy, right? If we cut out a lot of the bullshit that we don't need in here, um, things what i what i was basically saying about this movie is by the end of it what you do is you hope to dare god that one day spike lee learns the art of subtlety but i doubt it um because because the truth of the matter is that 90 percent of this movie which is about old guys going and looking for the gold is a movie i truly enjoyed right they were just shenanigan in shenaniganing in Vietnam looking for gold and they were redoing the story of the Sierra Madre and it was fun. I enjoyed all of those old ass men being old ass men. Delroy Lindo has a time. Um Isaiah Whitlock Jr., the man who says shit really long, he enjoys himself. <laughs> as well as everyone else in this movie. Um and I really liked it. Now what I didn't like was most of the the backstory that brought in Chadwick Boseman, like it looked cheap, and oh, most of it was unnecessary. Hold on, we have to stop there and remind you that the man's name is T'Challa. Yeah, <laughs> you can if if you'd like to give him the honorary, he's either Prince T'Challa or King T'Challa, depending on when you finish the right. movie. Um, <laughs> but his name is T'Challa. When you, when you finish um, Civil War, right? Because in Civil War, he becomes a king. Right? Or, or just Panther. I don't see Colin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Damien, it's not Panther. It's Panta. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways. Um, We're going to hell. I mean, yeah, we are. I mean the benefit of like, those backstory scenes would have been like, the limit I would have allowed in this movie of stuff I didn't enjoy that were there because it gave me the fun dumbness of none of the old guys were de-aged or hired other actors for it. So it seemed kind of funny to me almost to see Chadwick Boseman and then all these 60-year-old men who are supposed to be 18-year-olds in the Vietnam War. Um, But then the rest of it is the stuff that we really don't or at least I don't really enjoy that much more from Spike Lee. So um, one of the things that he has in a lot of his movies that's in this that I didn't love was that speech from the the DJ talking to the black soldier or even the scene in the back, in the back catalog where they talk about um, Martin Luther King dying. Or even towards the end of the movie when it's over and they're announcing where all the money went including some scenes where they're like, like, really, is this the movie we want to do this in? And it's just too much. But 
I did enjoy like at least 70% of this movie for being old ass man Sierra Madre. And that, so that's is, that. that is a, like, I gave him a pass when he did it in Black Clansman, when he ruined Black Clansman, by the way, by being too much. And then he did it again. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Spike, I can't, I can't do this with you anymore. Listen, I, there has to be a way to go about this with more subtle, there simply has to be. Or do documentaries. Please, Spike, start doing documentaries. Then you can take all that old ass footage and all the hatred you have in your heart and make documentaries. That's what that's what they're there for. And leave my movies alone. <laughs> if you could just entertain me for an hour and a half and not give me a 20-minute lecture during this movie that you sold as this movie and not as a TED Talk. If you could just do that for me, please. Spike, yeah. you understand that the world is bad. If you could just not for an hour and a half, for me, please. It would so be great. Let's, let's, let's back it up for a second. Damien, you, you spoke a while ago about um, movies that are an hour and a half long. Um, in that vein, have you watched In Fabric? Have you watched the rest of In Fabric? Absolutely not. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid that you're wrong, Douglas. Somehow I find it fascinating that Damien is taking my side in this. And just his fear is keeping him on my side. Because, Andrew, you are so specific. Like, there's not been a lot of other movies like this where you're like, Damien. <laughs> at, at this point, there's a good movie. And leave it there. I love the movie up to this point so much. The risk of anything happening at the end because douglas wasn't very convincing in finishing this movie because you and him talked about some madness and douglas is just like yeah but damon there's a thing at the end so ridiculous that you should see it through i'm like but andrew was real clear and andrew also saw the thing at the end but was clear is just like you don't need you don't need it <laughs> The movie's good enough up to here. Just leave it alone. And I'm afraid. I really am afraid. I think you're wrong, Douglas. But I don't know. I can't know. <laughs> but if I watch it and you're wrong, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> We've got ourselves a Schrodinger movie situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, but the problem is the movie I have seen is great. Mm -hmm. The movie you've seen is great. Mm -hmm. And the movie Andrew's seen is great up until the point where I saw and then not great anymore. Mm -hmm. And so what I can do is bet that the parts I've seen that I already accept is great will stay great if I don't see the part you saw. <laughs> I mean, I'll lose. I mean, basically. 
I have more to lose than to gain watching the end of this movie. And so I'm just going to enjoy this movie. Um, yeah, but that's all right. that's basically all I saw. So you can go ahead, Andrew. All right. So I have a few things to talk about. So I'm going to lead off with a few quick things because they're mainly TV and stuff that I really want to discuss. Discuss number one. You guys love to talk about stand up, and I saw this stand up, which I've never heard you guys talk about because I didn't know until this moment that she did stand up comedy, and I found it enjoyable and at least in the vein of this is a first time me seeing her, so I loved it. Um, Yvonne Orji. Oh um, no! No! Right, let us know who's that. Who that name is now? <laughs> no! She, uh, uh, it's on HBO and yes. it's bad. Damien, do not watch it. Have you there's, watched it? There's Damien. there's no way on earth I'm going to watch that. This have you is, watched it, Douglas? Yes, I have. This is a friend from um, Issa Rae's show. Yeah, right? insecure. Insecure. No, here's the thing. She actually kind of funny, right? So let's start see, there. See, see, but look, look, here's the problem, Damien, and you lady? will you will understand this. I pay my fifteen dollars a month to HBO, so For that I can watch what I want to watch on there, right? And when I press play on a comedy, a stand-up comedy special, what I would like to please watch is stand-up comedy. Okay, all right, right? cool. So you're going to get into my one no, gripe about it. No, here's the deal. I understand that some stand-up comedians would like to fuck around for the first five minutes and intro themselves. Fine. I actually watched it and I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. When are we going to start the stand-up? And then she started the stand-up. And then she said, but you know what I could do? I could just keep fucking going back to Nigeria and show you a reality show instead of the stand-up comedy. And it was at that point that I pressed up and told her to go fuck herself. (laughs) (laughs) Douglas, Douglas, with my sincere love... I tell you, you were probably right. right? <laughs> you you made you made a judgment call, and I'm going to be clearly I'm going to be honest with you. Like, if it was my choice, I'd have cut out all of that documentary nonsense. Right? <laughs> like, that's the thing that I did not like about this. But yeah. <laughs> I sort of enjoyed her stand up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, most of, mo- most of it was her just making fun of her parents, mm-hmm. which like that's just that's just gold for anyone, right? Right, <laughs> <laughs> right? and also. It helps that there was a bit of a shock for me that I didn't know she was from Nigeria, so there was all of that going on. That's right? racist. Um, <laughs> so it, it, like, I enjoyed myself as much as I did not want any of that documentary shit. Right. So I saw I think, the trailer and figured that this was going to happen, and that's why I'm never, I was. Going to watch. I, th- I think there was maybe only one of the documentary segments that I enjoyed because it was dumb, because it was a point where she was talking with her father, and I mean, a whole thing throughout the stand-up is the fact she's not married yet, or she's single, and mm-hmm. her father was talking about like how much he would ask in selling her dowry when they were like trying to get her married. And they're like... She's like, well, I'm a big star now, so it's like 10 million, and he's like, ah, I'm lucky if I get a dollar and stuff Oof. like that, which is just regular, regular family shenanigans, um, which was fun. But otherwise, rest of it can dash away. Um, <laughs> but, but as it, it just the, if I were to edit just the jokes as a stand-up special, I mostly enjoyed it, and I was surprised. Well, um, the documentaries. Yes. 
what was your question, Douglas? How long would, if I were to do that DC, right? How long mm-hmm. would the, the stand-up comedy special actually be like? Five minutes? It'd probably be 45 minutes at least. Oh, wow. Really? Right. I'm pretty sure the, the video I watched was like an hour and 15. I'm pretty sure the documentary isn't more than 30. Half hour oh, after scroll past I don't, half don't hour know. I don't know if it's exactly 30. I just, I'm just oh, guesstimating. Dinner, um, let's start it aggressive, all right? Like, it's literally two jokes, and then she already moving back to documentary. Oh, no. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I love how I'm black to mention it. <laughs> um, moving right along. Um, the thing Douglas and I kind of mentioned before we recorded, um, the new TV show on HBO, I May Destroy You, the show by Michaela Coel. Coel, I don't, I think that's her name Cole. is Obelgum. Also known or for the show gum, Chewing Gum, which <laughs> I never watched. Actually, neither didn't. did I. Yeah. Um, I know people lost their shit over it, um, but I decided to try this show because it showed up on, as Douglas puts it, the thing I pay that much money for. So <laughs> I was like, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, I've now seen two episodes and I am very fucking lost. Um, oh, really? I don't really get it. I mean, I, I kind of get it in that it's just a girl who's lost and shit is happening to her and she's trying to just have a... It's kind of a lost t- young young 20s show and shit is happening, but I'm not really into it, I feel. What, wait, it's... what? You tell me. What is your experience with this show, Douglas? So I'm not sure how down I am with this show, to be honest with you. I think I like it, but I'm not sure why you don't understand it. Like, it's... She's... At at its core, this is a, so far a show about a girl that's been raped. And her, like, trying to put the pieces together. Is that not what you get from this show? No, there's that too. But... Weirdly enough, I wasn't sure if that was the complete focus. Like, watching this show, I wasn't sure if it's just that almost in a... I mean, that's probably the heaviest thing in it, but it felt to me almost like everything is going to be happening in this show almost like a like a sex in the city where they're like, oh, this is just her life. But the rape was just one piece of it. Like, even <laughs> even even when you talk about the rape, like that's like that's like two seconds of the last of the first episode, right? where something happened but i feel like even seeing that in that episode it wasn't clear to me and maybe it's because it's not clear to her even in the second episodes when she's like figuring through all of these things but at the same time this show posits itself as a comedy show as a comedy like if you go to the the tv show it's like a comedy like i'm like i'm confused as to what's really going on with what's happening here because it feels every moment based on how characters are interacting with each other that it wants to be funny. I'm not laughing. Maybe that's what's giving me trouble with it. Yeah, maybe I'm lucky that I haven't looked at that descriptor because I agree with you. This is not a comedy. (laughs) So yeah, maybe that's it for me. That's why I'm kind of lost on it and just kind of like, do I want to watch this show? So this is definitely not a comedy. Um, Obviously, this person has a life and interacts with people and there are funny and light interactions and there are deep dark and ugly interactions um 
uh, how I would have described this show, as I said, for me, the core of it is, and I think they're, I, I see the the show taking on almost a, let's call it a mystery sort of vibe, where, because, as you said, she doesn't fully get what's happened because she was drugged, um, and she's kind of getting back snippets, but it's very clear to me that the core of this story is the fact that she's um, she's been raped and um, then exploring that and trying to figure out what happened and who... Is there any deep betrayal by um, somebody who she thought she could trust? Or, you know, how did that happen? Um, but... Yes, other things happen in the show because they're building an actual character, right? But to me, that stuff is more character building rather than other things happening. The show is holy shit. Look at this big event and let's now put together that event. And for me, it's absolutely clear um, that something bad happened, and that's what the the, the crux of this the show is. So, how is this show for you? Is this something that you're like actively wanting to see every Sunday? Well, so as I said, I watched um, the second episode today, and for those of you listening, today is a Wednesday and not a Sunday. So obviously, I I didn't feel as um, drawn to it to watch it exactly the night but i think i was doing other things and work has been a little bit tricky this week too um but i'm trying to watch a show i see something in it that i think i could get behind um i feel like i could like this show but i don't know if how strong that will be or if i will be proved wrong um by the end of it um so let's see. What I will say is that it's real fucking pretty, and um, I'm really liking the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm sure Damien will be like, "Oh, Douglas, you're an asshole." But yeah, um, <laughs> I, I I have no negative things to say about the show. So far. All right, um, I'm probably gonna keep watching it at least for a few more and to see what's going on. But I'll see if I come around. Um, you know what? But yeah. Since we're talking about this thing that I pay fifteen dollars for, um, have you watched Love Story? Love Story? No, I have not. Is that the is that the thing there show the Anna Kendrick show? Yes, it is. That's already finished, by the way. The joke, the joke that people are making that if you want a new streaming service in twenty twenty, just get Anna Kendrick on you for the first thing. <laughs> that's so true because she was disney plus also wasn't she <laughs> yep she was like whatever christmas thing disney plus had yeah it was kind of annoying because what they did is um every week so on the on launch they had three episodes already up and then every week they added three episodes the show is called love life episodes. oh love life sorry um three additional episodes every thursday and so by the second thursday they're done and all episodes were up um but i liked it um because i like anna kendrick 
and because it's a shitty romance thing and it's actually very similar in structure to um whether you want to call it scrotal recall or was lovesick the rename of it um from netflix did you just say scrotal recall that's that was the original name of the show and then when netflix took it over because it was really a british show then they were like yeah let's that that doesn't work for us and i think they changed it to something like lovesick i can't remember exactly what yeah it's it's lovesick on imdb here so yeah i don't (laughs) think i watch a show It's really good, or at least I like it a lot. Um, and the way that it's structured is the same in the sense that like each episode is focused on a specific person or a specific interaction. Um, because what Lovesick is, right, is and why they initially called it Scrotal Recall is this guy gets an STD and has to tell all of his former lovers that they need to get tested. And each episode is um, uh, like look back at his relationship with that person um and so that is essentially what this is where it goes through anna kendrick's love life and um each episode is like you know um this person this this relationship with this person then this relationship with that person um this one goes a little broader because it's not just um love stories it's not just each episode is like a lover, but there's, I think, a couple episodes about her mother and stuff like that. So it's actually really enjoyed it, but it's not necessarily, you know, cinema. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sadly, there's TV as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, the last thing I wanted to mention in the realms of TV was what we do in the shadows just finished its second season i don't know if you guys are still not watching this show but the I show is fucking fantastic watch this show you guys need to watch the show it's so good it is the best extension of taika waititi nonsense and i love it so much um i love that all the cast members show back up at some point in this show it's it's great do they um, show up as themselves or just random cameos they show up as their characters from the movie characters. Okay. As their characters from the original movie. Um, nice. I did really like that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> when is it? Is it um, Jermaine that does the poking and discovers yep. Facebook? Oh, yep. that joke is so good. <laughs> Do you? Can you still poke on Facebook? You probably can't. Can I don't you? think you can anymore. <laughs> I don't think that joke works anymore. <laughs> yeah. It only it only works for us old people who know what. OG Facebook is. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a, a hidden feature now, like you have to know. <laughs> um, but anyways, moving right along to the movies in question. So I don't need to talk about the Five Bloods because that's already been mentioned. Um, so in my continued effort to continue to watch all of the Jackie Chan movies on the Criterion channel that were brought up recently i've now seen the half loaf the half loaf of of kung fu and fearless hyena damn it um i was gonna talk about that movie too both movies are great all right 
Sorry, uh, let me quickly go through Half Loaf because <laughs> there's something we need to talk about in Fearless Hyena. Oh um, boy, is there. <laughs> Half Loaf, um, Jackie didn't direct, but he it's definitely at this point that he's like getting getting a chance to like make his characters who he's good at because yeah. it's about a it's about a a worthless student who basically doesn't know how to do kung fu and he ends up learning kung fu from a from like a vagabond um because he basically tricks people into thinking he's a kung fu master and it's ridiculous and it's amazing and it's all the things we want like it's like i don't think since drunken master have i seen a type of cinema dance kung fu where you watch it and you're like none of this makes sense but i still love seeing them do it (laughs) um it's it's ridiculous and I, and I enjoyed it. But Fearless Hyena is definitely a thousand times better. I love it. But I think one thing I want to mention really quickly, because he directed this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I am always fascinated whenever I find where things come from. Like, obviously, a lot of movies made today are influenced from movies made way back when, because they were the movies that the people who made it were watching. But I couldn't stop dying with laughter when I realized Fearless Hyena is where the kung fu panda food fight scene came from right it is a straight lift from this movie um what was did that? you not see that douglas there's well, a scene a long where he... i've watched kung fu panda well um... <laughs> there's that famous scene in kung fu panda where he and um dustin hoffman as the master i've forgotten whatever his oh! name is Oh, yes, like I know. Chopstick when fighting. Food, I think of something else. I know what you're talking about now, where he tries to get the food and he can't get yeah. the food. Okay. And straight up a lift from this movie now seeing it. Right? <laughs> right? Where Jackie Chan is like dying for hunger and the guy's like, all right, just eat some food. And they just kind of keep, and they keep throwing, he keeps throwing stones into Jackie Chan's mouth and he keeps biting on stones. And this movie is fantastic. Um, this movie is the greatest. <laughs> I'm glad that I picked this as my first movie to watch rather than the um, path you went down, which was to not enjoy the first Jackie Chan movie you watched on this <laughs> streaming service. Oh my god, spiritual <laughs> kung fu is so bad. <laughs> Half Loaf is definitely a step up, but Fearless Hyena is the peaks that we're reaching for. <laughs> yeah. And I love that this movie, and as you said, is directed by Jackie Chan, right? But it knows exactly what it is. Damien, you spoke um, earlier about Jet Li's movie and about how, you know, you love your kickers. And that's exactly what that was. Damien, I dare you to watch this movie and not feel the same way. This movie doesn't, like, there is no story. This movie is... um, straight up John Wick in it, where from day one, they're just like, listen, don't ask me why these people don't like each other. Don't ask me why somebody is running away from somebody else. Just know that there will be kicking and it's starting from minute one. And it only ends when the credits start rolling. This movie is so good and um... The thing about it also is that not only is it a kicker that you can watch and be like, oh, look at all of those you know, fight scenes and whatnot. It's also a Jackie Chan kicker where it is equally as funny 
as it is action-packed. Um, and a lot of the action is comedic action. And comedic action that you, you look and you say, who in their right mind would have thought to do it this way? And also, how can he physically get this done? It's not possible. He is not human. I love young Jackie Chan. He is... I know I don't have a lot of scope to say this, but he's definitely my favorite of this genre of, of movie makers. I only have two more in the collection that I've never seen before, which is the sequel to this and the movie after this time-wise, which is, I think it's called The Young Master. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching those, but I've already seen like Police Story and Lucky Stars. Um, Why so, didn't yeah. you make this the next marathon? You missed the opportunity, sir. <laughs> Could have watched young Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, but I think we've all watched quite a bit. Like, I mean, I'm sure I am the, the, the least one, but I've definitely seen a couple of the police stories. I've seen a couple of the other uh, not-so-big ones. I know I've so seen Douglas, some of Drunken Master. So we've all watched a lot so, of So, like, there are peaks of Jackie Chan. So, like, I think Jackie Chan for us all started with, like, rumbling the Bronx time <laughs> yep. right, when he came to America. Yep. And, I mean, I think you know... by this time we've seen police story and maybe we've seen the drunken masters but to me and this is what i love about this criterion collection that they're doing is that i don't know i've seen that much of like pre-police story and drunken master jackie chan where he's still doing like the old school kung fu movies as opposed to like the new age police story where he's a modern man doing kung fu um, and it's fun for me. So, like for example, Half Love Kung Fu has one of the most dumbest scenes in the world, in which Jackie Chan rips off one of these headwigs of the enemy, and then he does basically the Bruce Lee nunchucks with it, <laughs> right? Um, and like it's a movie that knows it's stupid because everyone keeps making jokes as to like I've seen that before, like in just random things that he's ripping off because that movie is him basically like even in the opening of that movie, like he's ripping off Zatoichi films, right? Which I only know about that because I've started watching Zatoichi films and Douglas bought me the Zatoichi set, so you know, all sorts of things. Um, but yeah. I I'm still fascinated to see that version of Jackie Chan before before he came to modern times because I really think he thrived in the modern setting kung fu's. So it's still strange for me to see him in the old timey ones. Um, but yeah. So the last thing I'll talk about is I watched The King of Staten Island, oh. the Judd Apatow film, because. I told myself I'm going to watch these two movies. I'm going to watch the Spike Lee and I'm going to watch the Judd Apatow film. I I want to see what they are. Um, This movie is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not as egregious as everything that came after Funny People. It's not as bad as everything that came after Funny People. And it's not as good as The 40-Year-Old Virgin or those movies. Andrew, um, I think it's time for you to apologize to me um, and accept the reality that Funny People is a bad movie. 
I'm starting to feel that way. I'm starting to question it. I'm starting mm-hmm. to say, was funny people good? But I've yeah. not confirmed it. I'm here to tell you it is not. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to keep it to myself for now. Um, <laughs> you'll get your apology late, later in the year. <laughs> okay. right? um, one day I'll force myself to finish, to rewatch that movie. Um, but yeah, so this movie's all right. Like, and the thing about it is that, first of all, we all know who Pete Davidson is. And I don't think any of us truly like what Pete Davidson does. Do we? Does anyone? That's a no for me, dog. I like it when he does not show up on my television. <laughs> right? Um, so, there's a, a <laughs> so there's a lot of Pete Davidson here. Um, and in some points, he's all right. In the same way I feel about him in SNL. When they have him in the right bit, I'm sort of okay with him. But at the same time, I don't sit at the TV waiting for Pete Davidson to show up. Um, who is a true star of this movie is someone we all love, Bill Burr. Yeah. Right? He is amazing in this movie, as well as Marissa told me. I love them in this film. And I appreciate this movie because it gave me more of them. The rest of this movie is just fine. It's okay. It's the same sort of story that Judd Apatow does a lot. The the schlub man who has to figure out life. Um, I think my favorite part of this movie is where it gets to the point where um, Pete Davidson's mother kicks him out of the house. Like she's fed up. Kicks him out of the house and he has to struggle for a little bit. And then he shows back at the house and his mother mocks him for like five straight minutes being like, oh, you had to push around a broom, you found out what work was, and then she's continued to kick it back out of the house. Like, it wasn't a, a I mock you, and now I have to hug you to keep you back in. She, it just repeated, and it was hilarious. Um, but it's an okay movie. It's I've, I've read a lot of um, writings about it, which have been more interesting than how I feel about it, but yeah. the movie is just actually fine. his life, because... Eh? It's it's it's, it's yeah his, he, it's semi autobiographical semi yeah he he helped write the movie with Judd Apatow to like base it around himself mm-hmm. um being the Staten Island person and he makes him into the into the into the tattoo artist apparently his father was a firefighter and, and he died like that. So yeah. all of that he died in nine eleven I think actually um I'd have to look that up I guess yeah I, I think um, I, I saw something on television about it. I don't know why. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, unlike me, sit at your TV waiting for Pete Davidson to show up. No, uh-huh. I know why. It's because Douglas, like me, an idiot, watched his stand-up special. And he said it in his stand-up ah, special. That's what it is. Okay, cool. And he sucks. <laughs> and I don't want to watch anything that he... He can't be the lead in anything and I watch it. There's no way I'll watch this movie. <laughs> I went to see him perform physically, like I was physically in his presence. Oh no! I I told you this, guys, and it was mostly oh, yeah. because he was double billed with right. John Someone. Mulaney. So yeah. I was like, "All right, I'll see what Pete Davidson is like." But I know I'm really here for John Mulaney. <laughs> I assume Pete Davidson is awful, and guess what? He was awful. Come um. It was not great, but yeah, this movie is all right. Uh, um, I, I just, I listen. Just, I just need you to accept that Judd Apatow hasn't made a good movie in over a decade, um, yeah. and 
once you come to that, you'll also see that this movie too uh, is trash. Uh, I don't care how much Bill Burr is in it. Pete Davidson is in it. And Judd Apatow doesn't know to make good movies. So, well, he made like Trainwreck. He made Trainwreck. Mm-hmm. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Do you, don't we love Trainwreck, me and you, Damien? No, no, I, I love Trainwreck. But, and this is very key, there was a small window where that girl was incredibly funny. <laughs> Which window are we talking about? That window is closed. Look, Douglas, you're not allowed to talk. When did you're that window ever talk, Douglas. I'm going, I'm going to mute Schumer. you if you keep talking, Douglas. Amy Schumer put out Damien. She put out the cutting album. She got her Comedy Central show. Three episodes of that might be good. I don't remember. Nope. Then that show is horrible. She made horrible. She made Trainwreck, and then Window slam shot. And <laughs> if I have to give up Trainwreck, <laughs> me and my wife, so be. Trainwreck I respect sucks. that. Yeah, I respect Trainwreck that. Sucks. You know what? You know what, Damien? For that move, <laughs> you get it. I apologize. <laughs> Funny people wasn't I, great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I no, knew you're not allowed. <laughs> no, you are not allowed to watch Trainwreck ever again for the rest of your life. Chances are that was already not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I like that okay. movie, but she's no been so bad for so long. Sidekick. She's been so bad for so long, I didn't think I wanted to go back and watch that movie. Anyway. It's the Chris Rock effect. At a no, certain point, Chris, Chris Rock got so bad, I was just like, I don't want to see anything from him again. <laughs> she's making TV on the Food Network. You, I'm you sure she's. I, I cannot wait. Yeah. Wait, what, what did I just say? No, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll change my mind. I'll wait. <laughs> Anyways, Douglas, what have you been watching? Well, um, the, the pinnacle of what I was going to say was Fearless Hyena which we've already discussed. But what I will say is that I've watched a lot of trash, right? So um, I've watched uh, the Spider-Man's movies, the what I suppose we would call the original, even though it's not the first ones, the ones from early 2000. Um, I've been watching the Lethal Weapons, is which, oh. oh no, Douglas, Douglas, cancel culture. We don't watch those movies anymore because... For reasons, I guess. Because, because you don't like Danny Glover, Damien is racist. I don't know. I mean, um, yeah. I prefer his son, Donald Glover. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but what I will talk a little bit about um, is the TV I've been watching. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been watching two shows on Netflix. One of them we have all seen. The other, I think, I'm, I've been going solo on. Um, so Hannibal just came back onto Netflix. That's not um, real. You can't prove that. <laughs> There's no way. No one would grin like that. That's ridiculous. That's no way. This makes no sense how this show exists. But I'm so glad that it does. Um, I've been re-watching it. And, oh boy. Remember when guys. the show started and we just couldn't <laughs> believe it? Yeah, the network did that. Yeah, <laughs> NBC, no less. NBC, proper broad comedy. Um, NBC, like a I... real TV show. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I love this show. I think I need to own this show. Damien, um, do you remember how many weeks had to go by of me telling you, no, it's worth watching before you yeah. tried it? Dog, listen, to this day, I still don't believe that show exists. <laughs> if someone were to, were to try hard enough to convince me, like erase things off of the internet for like a day and come to me and it's like, Damien, that show is a figment of your imagination. NBC wouldn't do that. And by the end of the day, and I Google it once, it wouldn't be there, and I'd be like, all right, fine. That's not true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And weirdly, I've been seeing articles online where people are saying that Netflix could be starting it back up, which makes no sense. But if they did, I'd be down. Um, this show is just, it's perfect. Um the other thing I've been watching, which, as I said, I don't think you guys ha- are on it with me as well, is a British show that is a Netflix, at least a co-production, um, called Marcello. You guys, have you seen this show before? I, I know what, what you're talking about. I haven't actually watched it, though. So this show is something that I got into from when it started. It's been around for a little while. This is the third season. Um, I think it's probably been around for longer because you know how these shows kind of ruminate and germinate, especially in the UK. It's like one season every 20 years. Um, But I think it's maybe four or five years in now. Um, It's still good. I like this show a lot. It is a at its core, uh, a British police show, which you guys know is just my sweet spot. Um, oh, we don't watch those anymore. We canceled cops. <laughs> That's true. Oh, so boy. We don't oh, watch boy. police TV so, because <laughs> reasons. Yeah, that's actually something I wonder about. I wonder how viable this whole industry, and I'm not even talking about... Um, reality cop shows because that is like a little bit too on the nose and i can understand that that will go away but the fake stories about police officers Mm -hmm. um that everybody loves right all the alphabet shows all of these serious gritty crime shows um at least from the police perspective where they're they're viewed in a positive way i wonder if that trend is going to change and if some of these things are going to you know go away um i saw someone make a joke tweet saying mm-hmm. that brooklyn 99 should pull on archer and just switch it <laughs> <laughs> next season shows up and they're like they're like cleaning people or something <laughs> that'd be funny actually <laughs> i think brooklyn 99 is the only one that that would make sense yeah <laughs> Um, but I but mean, anyway, they could do it in Killing Eve. <laughs> just the same people, same everything, and they just pretend none of them are the. Are, just change the rules, like just have her be somebody else. Yep. It's like, what is happening? And then you just move on. Yeah, but the show is fun, right? So so Marcella is the lead character, and she's a police officer at least for the first couple seasons, and um. The transition between season two and the current season, season three, is that um, she has... I can't remember the exact thing because it's been a couple of years since the last season, but there's a big issue with her case and um, she's presumed dead, right? 
and some guy finds her who apparently is like some sort of police officer or undercover person or whatever and says i've got a job for you and you see her at the end of the last season she has this huge scar down her face um and she looks almost disfigured and she is not uh, she's she's like living homeless um and in my mind when i see something like that i was like oh are we changing into some ridiculous, like almost uh, genre sort of show where it's no longer playing by the rules of I'm a police officer and have to do certain things? I can now be like Black Dynamite or something like that. Um, unfortunately, they're not playing by those those rules in this season. She's actually um, just an undercover police uh but i'm still enjoying it it's very fun um it's uh, the person who stars as marcella is anna freel who is if andrew you remember her name was chuck in pushing daisies sweet i miss that show that's a show i'd yeah. start rewatching now that show was really good um but yeah I, I really like that show and i am probably halfway through that season now really good but that's it. I haven't really been watching anything else other than um, fake sports. Uh, sports with no names. Sports with no people. Yeah. I hate fake sports. <laughs> uh, there's one last thing that I haven't seen all of it yet. But the one episode I saw was so good um, that I cannot wait to finish it. Uh, I started watching The Great, mm-hmm. the Hulu TV show, and uh, Douglas, this is the show for you. So, Damien, we've spoken yes. about this on this show already, right. and at the time, Andrew had watched a couple of episodes, mm-hmm. I had watched a couple of episodes, Andrew was super down, and I was not 100% on board yet. Mm-hmm. I can give you an update. I have watched all of the season now. Right. And I was very upset that there wasn't any more. <laughs> I am 100% yeah. down with this show. Yeah, El uh, Fanning is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I saw um, the first episode. I was just like, <laughs> I just need time. Yeah. <laughs> the it next time I sit down. Like, no, I, I was already on board from episode one. So if yeah. it gets better, I'm going to it's, die. It's... it's it's so good how they um, just keep upping and upping the stakes. I love it. Andrew, have you finished the show yet? I have not. Sadly, I'm still at episode one and just have not gone back. What? I want to, though. Douglas, oh, so, Douglas so in the first episode when she describes what sex is, <laughs> I, fell, I physically fell off on my couch. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. I didn't know, my body didn't know what to do with itself. Uh, It's, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. It is. Um, Like, there's not often I watch a TV show on these platforms and I'm just like, I need to purchase this on a disc so that I can have it on me at all times. I want streaming to be the reason I cannot watch this. And 
it took one episode. I'm like, I am, I've got to, I don't know how I'm going to purchase this, but I need to purchase this. 